Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And oh my gosh, is it freezing outside. It's brutal. And if you are freezing inside, well, you might need to take a closer look at your windows, and you need to have a local Pella, Omaha, and Lincoln expert do that. You can save energy, but most importantly, stay warm with windows from Pella that are properly installed. The patented Pella way by pros using window and doors with the highest energy efficiency ratings in the industry from Energy Star. Check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good pals at Runza. Well, listen, I keep on telling you about Temperature Tuesdays. you got to get out there and take advantage of them because the last two Tuesdays, Runza's have been free with the purchase of a medium fry and a medium drink because the temperature at 6 a.m. in Runzaland has been like negative 6,000 degrees. It's been ridiculous. Only got a couple more Tuesdays to take advantage of uh, Temperature Tuesdays at Runza. Again, temperature at 6 a.m. in Runzaland. Price you'll pay for an original Runza sandwich when you purchase a medium fry and a medium drink. So get out to Runza. Take advantage of Temperature Tuesdays. And while you're there, tell them your pal Nick Boss sent you. Okay, on the podcast today, the head Blue Jay himself, Greg McDermott. Uh, the Blue Jays, sixteen and five. They got a little uh, layoff here. Uh, they're not back on the on the the court for a game until February twenty fourth, where they host DePaul in Omaha. Uh, Jays came off a, a, a big time performance, uh, really hammering Nova, eighty six to seventy. Really outplayed the Wildcats for forty minutes. So there's lots to talk about, not only with that game, but with this team, and uh, and and really with March around the corner. What Coach McDermott. You know, kind of sees for his group. It is always fun to talk to Coach McDermott. You you know, you, you learn a ton about hoops, uh, get a good feel for, you know, how he sees his Blue Jays right now. So let's get to it. Here's my pod chat with the head coach of the Creighton Blue Jays, Greg McDermott. On the line now, Greg McDermott, head coach, Creighton Blue Jays, 16-5, and five, uh, coming off a, a, a an amazing performance against Villanova uh, on Saturday. Well, first of all, Mac, how you doing, pal? Doing great. It's hard uh, hard to complain. That was uh, that was a great game. Our guys played terrific on on Saturday, and uh, you know it's it's it was fun to have a little extra motivation to play a team like Villanova. And our guys really, you know, they responded and rose to the challenge. Yeah. So you've had a couple of days to, gi- to digest that that Villanova win, and you know, I think considering the opponent, it was probably the best you guys played all year. What were you What were you maybe most proud of or pleased with with how the game unfolded? Well, it's, you know, Nick, you, you watch Villanova play and I know you've watched him a lot and obviously I have, and, you know, teams, they do such a great job of, of getting you in rotations, you know, sometimes with, with simple ball screens and, and your, and your coverages and ball screens, but oftentimes just in a, even in a short closeout situation where it's not a long run with a shot fake and get you off your feet. And now they're, now they're attacking downhill. They've collapsed your defense and the dominoes start to fall for, for them. And now they really got you in trouble. 
So the discipline that it takes to not bite on that stuff, while it sounds while, while it sounds easy, I think to just a casual fan, it's very very difficult to do because you know you have to challenge the shooter, you have to challenge Gillespie and Justin Moore in the three point line. If there's not a shot challenge, they're going to kill you with the three point shot. But you've got to throw a hand and be able to stay on your feet and guard the dribble. And I thought for 40 minutes, uh, our guys, you know, we had a couple breakdowns, but for the most part, we were pretty locked in yeah. defensively. And when you're taking it off the rim instead of out of the net against Villanova, then it allows the game to be played at our pace. And, you know, I think that was really critical in the win. Yeah, especially in the second half. I looked at the numbers last night. You guys held Nova to 10 of 33 from the field, and you were plus six on the glass. And at one point, I, I think I told Brando during a break, I was like, man, it just feels like Creighton's been an offensive transition the entire half because you kind of were because you were stringing together stops and rebounding. Yeah, and if you know, if you can – the way we play, that that obviously – you know, feeds into what we want to do. And, right. and, you know, while the crowd numbers, you know, was 25 or 2,600 people, which is the most that we've been able to have in the building. Um, it isn't a typical game, but those people that were there were really, really into it. And there was a lot of energy in the building. And, no and that's been, that's obviously a huge void for our guys this year, not being able to play in front of crowds, but you know, the stops got us out in transition. We knocked a few balls loose, few, forced a few turnovers, got us out in transition. And, you know, it's one thing to get out in transition and take a quick shot. Uh, it's another thing to make it, you know, so <laughs> if, if, if you're missing those shots, Nick, right. and then, you know, you end up playing, 30 seconds of defense and five seconds of offense, then 30 seconds of defense and five seconds of offense. Well, that doesn't work either. So when you have an opportunity in transition, you have to cash in. You told me, so we we did our Zoom before the Marquette game, and I asked you about Marcus Zagorowski, and you, I think your line was, well, he's, you know, he's as close as he's been. And so that was, gosh, you know, almost eight days ago or whatever it is. Well, I tell you what, Mac, he looked almost all the way back to me against Villanova. Man, he was good. He was he was separating from guys. He he had a little more pop to him. What'd you see with Marcus? Because twenty five points, thirty seven minutes, ten of eighteen from the floor. Wow. I mean, first of all, everybody's you know going to jump to the stat sheet in his offense, but uh, I think it would be unfair to not point to the job that he did on on Gillespie yeah. as well. Uh, you know, you know, fighting those ball screens and getting there and challenging shots and, you know, staying down and making things tough in the lane. Uh, as good as he was offensively, defensively, he was equally as it was equally impressive. Uh, but, you know, I, I just felt, Nick, I think you could see the explosion at the rim. I think his first step was quicker. Um, you know, he's, he's getting into that jump shot and elevating a little bit better. And, and you know, as we talked about a few weeks ago, he he's getting there mm-hmm. and, and it was good to see it all come together for him because he's working extremely hard to kind of battle through these injuries and get himself back and he's you know he really has taken a lot of pride in working with Ben McNair and, and Jeremy Anderson our strength coach and taking care of his body and trying to get it get it right for the stretch run and it was uh you know you want one of your best players to shine when the when the when the light is shining brightest on us and he certainly did that Saturday afternoon you, you know with uh, I, I was driving home from the game and I was thinking about Christian Bishop and Sometimes how you kind of get introduced to someone can shape your perception of them. And if you think about last season, Mac, he was kind of thrust into that five spot because of the injury to Epperson. And you guys were kind of trying to make it work and figure it out on the fly for the better part of the first half of the season. And so he's almost kind of has been viewed like, hey, you know what, man? Look at Christian Bishop hang in there and make it work at the five. Good for him. 
And I'm here to tell you, he ain't just hanging in there. He ain't just making it work. He's a really, really good player. What it it is incredible how he is improved and 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 where his game's at right now. Yeah, you know he, you know as you mentioned, we we thought we were going to have a three headed monster there last year with El- Epperson, Kelvin Jones, and Christian, and then Jacob has the injury and and Calvin battled injuries throughout the season as well. So you know as you said, Christian was really thrust into that role, and. And, you know, we used him for the most part, as you mentioned, probably non-conference in five or six league games in, much like we used Martin Crample. It, it was a ball screen and dive, you know, like you right. set a good ball screen, let's fly to that rim, we'll throw flip-ups to you. Um, and then five or six conference games in, Al Hus came to me with, you know, what I think we need to add a little bit of this hit and chase action to what we're doing offensively when Christian's in the game and put the ball in his hands and let him be a decision maker. Some, and, and Al and I talked about, you know, how to do it. What, you know, what can we make a seamless transition in the middle of the conference season to add this piece to our offense without disrupting everybody else? And, Cause at the same time, we were trying to, we were trying to get Denzel Mahoney to kind of fit into the flow as well. So right. I was a little hesitant initially to make another change as we're trying to kind of jam uh, Denzel into that rotation at that time. But uh, once we did it and we saw what Christian was capable of, uh, you know, dribble handoffs and, you know, backdoor passes and, you know, a fake handoff and, and take it and go to the rim. And, and especially now this year, he's, we've gotten him to play off two feet once he gets into the paint against a big, instead of trying to, you know, use, try to jump over him let's set your feet and use your quickness to get around him and he's he's just done a terrific job and it's been he's had an incredible two-week stretch of what he's you know the way he's playing right now and and he's gotten besides offensively nick he's really gotten better at protecting the rim and you know he's i don't know how many block shots he has 24 25 on the year but he's changing many more than that uh with his ability to to get come over as a secondary defender and challenge shots at the rim yeah, I, I'm sure you get ready for this for the for the Villanova game. You watch the games from last year, and he I almost now you were reminded how good Tyshawn was. You know, you're watching there, you're like yeah, he's pretty sure. good. <laughs> but, but I think the maybe the other thing that jumped out of the most is like, wow, Christian is bigger, he's stronger, he's more under control, he's finishing better at the rim. Like I'm not so sure he wasn't the guy that stood out to me the most when I think about those games from a year ago against Villanova. I remember watching one of them and saying to myself, man, he looks like a skinny little kid out there, yes. you know? Yeah. And he doesn't look like that anymore. He's, he's worked on his bodies and he's, you know, he's become very powerful in the lane and, you know, he, he's a capable shooter too, Nick, you know, he, he took one at Georgetown, a three at the top of the key early in the game. And those are shots that, that we're okay with. He he'll shoot a 15, 17 footer, but he just, you know, he's smart enough and he's got a good IQ that he's, you know, he's just finding the right shots for our team. And if you're going to spread out, you're going to sit on all those three point shooters and, you know, good luck garden christian bishop one-on-one all night i think he can he can make you pay so and while his you know his free throw percentage still isn't i think where he wants it to be compared to last year he's made some good strides yeah. there yeah. and uh continues to work on that so i i couldn't be more proud of it. you know mac i was we you know we had our zoom call with jay Wright before the game and you know i was asking jay about you know hey what do you see with creighton as important and all that stuff and one of the things he said was we, we better have the focus and the energy to chase Mitch Ballock around. 
and and he's he got loose in the second half, you know, and it's hard because he's relentlessly, he's nonstop moving. You ran a couple of good actions for him, but like he's a handful because you know you can chase him and do it right, do it right, do it right, and the one time you're a little late, he he makes you pay. That's how good he is. You've been around Max, some special shooters, especially at Creighton, whether it's it's Ethan, Doug, obviously. It, what is it about Mitch? Is there something that makes him unique as a shooter to you? Well, you know, I think as you think about all the guys, and you know, you you were around Kyle some too. I think guys yeah. that shoot it at that level, like there is a routine that is elite, uh, and and away from practice routine. And Mitch has it. He's in there every morning between six thirty and seven, and he has a routine that he goes through um, that's been really good for him. Uh, but he, he he doesn't unlike some maybe some of the other shooters I've coached like he he doesn't really care if he gets that many shots like if if they're there he'll take it but he's he's not going to force it. What I've really been proud of him this especially the last ten games he we've talked to him about like Mitch if they're going to run you off the line like you are good enough to go to that lane and make some plays right like get to the rim set your feet shoot you know swivel your hips shoot a little turnaround. Uh, you know, break down that defense, make a pass. And since he's added that, it's it's been even more difficult for him to be guarded. And, uh, you know, Villanova lost him a couple times in transition and his teammates made great one more passes yep. to get him shots. And once he feels like he's making them, you know, good luck. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the out of bounds play from underneath, it, it was a good play, but he hardly had any room. You know, he, <laughs> he, he quick shot fake sidestepped and drained it. And the one he hit in front of the bench is a shot clock you know, was going down. I mean, I almost looked down at Jay Wright and I kind of wanted to apologize. (laughs) That was great defense, but that's just Mitch being Mitch. And, uh, and it's, it, it adds a dimension when you have to, when you have to account for a guy, you know, six or seven steps behind the three point line. I mean, the spacing that that provides for your, for your offense is incredible. And we ran the little zone, you know, lob play, but I think people really thought he was shooting the basketball. He's standing <laughs> on the logo. And if you look at the film, like there's a Villanova guy, like within an arm's reach and <laughs> it's just standing on the logo in their two, three zones. So, you know, what that does for your offense is really incredible. No question. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast to talk about Pella windows and doors. And right now it is, it's freaking freezing outside. So we've all learned about the value of staying warm indoors and energy efficiency in your home and with this ridiculously cold weather lately i'm sure you've learned about the value of having quality windows and how important they can be in keeping you your loved ones and your house warm and the importance of energy efficiency keeping your home energy efficient keeps you and your family cozy while you're saving on energy bills which is huge during this brutal winter and your windows are key in this fight pella windows use low e glass to reflect heat back in your home, not to mention protecting carpet, furniture, and windows treatments from harmful UV rays. To prevent conduction, which is the warm air in your house flowing outside, Pella windows use double-pane glass with insulating gas like argon in between the panes to keep the warm inside and the cold outside. Find out more by contacting your local Pella Omaha and Lincoln expert today, or you can check them out online 
PellaOmaha.com. And while we're here, let's talk about Runza. First of all, only a few more uh, Tuesdays left in February to take advantage of Temperature Tuesdays, where the temperature at 6 a.m. in Runza Land is the price you'll pay for an original Runza sandwich when you purchase a medium fry and a medium drink. It's been so cold lately. The last two Tuesdays have been free Runzas. But, you know, with this cold weather, we all need a little comfort during the dog days of winter. And at least that's Runza for me, whether it's just a piping hot cheese Runza, chili and cinnamon rolls, the best French fries in the world. My wife loves the Swiss cheese mushroom burger. We both love the Southwest chicken salad. My daughter loves the chicken strips. It just all tastes great. Warms your soul, fills your belly when you need it most. You need some comfort, get to Runza. Runza makes it all better okay back to the podcast do you you think it's a good is it a good thing to have I think you guys have 11 days off between games is it a good thing do you need it what do you think you know I I, I I'm gonna say yes right I, I, I think you know there's been some teams that have been on pause right and and I think while that is awful and and I'm, I'm we're blessed that we haven't been through it <clears throat> there there is an element of rest and, and fresh legs that maybe are going to help you as you get farther and farther down the road in the season. And we, we went a month straight with really out any breaks. And I think our guys needed a couple of days just to, you know, rejuvenate your bodies, spend all your time on recovery and rehabilitation. And then we'll ease back into practice and we'll get three really good days working on us. And because if you go back to our last, last buy, which is in January, I think like the 10th through the 17th, that's when Marcus was hurt and Sharif sprained his ankle in that St. John's game. So we didn't have Marcus or Sharif for practice that entire week. Right. As So you had an opportunity to get better. Well, we had to do it without a point guard. And, you know, Sharif plays in the Butler game with really no practice that week on one, one foot. Um, so we haven't really had a chance since before Christmas to really work on ourselves. So this is a really good opportunity for us this week. You know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll really hit it hard in terms of just zeroing in on offense and defense, cleaning up a couple zone defenses that we don't use a lot um, that that I think will be able to help us down the road. And then, you know, making sure that some things on offense that we're not totally pleased with that we can clean up. So uh, I'm excited about it. I think the guys probably needed a little mental break here for a few days. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, Nick, we're just, we're lucky. We don't have a bunch of games to make up. We're, we're one of the uh, fortunate few. You know, I, I, I was listening to it right before I, I was, we were going to talk here. I saw it, coach self was, uh, there was a, a little video of him. He was saying he was talking to Robbie Hummel and Jeff Goodman and, he said something interesting I want to get your thoughts on about how he feels like he's coaching different this year because of the pandemic and everything that's going on. And He said, quote, I think you're coaching differently this year. I know I am as far as you're demanding, but there are more important things in life than basketball. And it's more evident to me that the winning doesn't seem quite as important this particular year as it does in other years because of everything else that's going on. You're really worried about kids' depression and mental health. How's that been for you? Do you feel like you've coached a little bit different this year? No question. Absolutely. And I, I think if you don't, uh, you're asking for it. Uh, you know, you, you, you have to be cognizant of the fact that the young guys that we're coaching their their life away from basketball is not the same. Um, and, and basketball is not the same. And, you know, in the coaching world, you're, you're devastated. If you lose as a coach, if you win, 
the enjoyment doesn't doesn't come close to equaling the devastation of a loss. Right. It, it's more of a relief when you win, and and devastation if you lose. And players, I think, feel more that way this year. Like losing sucks. You know, Coach Max not going to be in as good a mood tomorrow because we lost. Uh, but winning is just kind of relief because I can't go celebrate with my family after the win. I can't enjoy it with 18,000 fans because fans can't come to the game. I can't go enjoy it with my friends on campus in a social setting after the game to celebrate something that, that, that was really special. So what's it, what's in it for, you know, like, so I just don't think the, uh, I don't think the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is, is similar to what it's been in other years. And, and, you know, you strive for the NCAA tournament and conference championships and all that. But at the end of the day, is the NCAA tournament going to be even close to the experience that it should be for these guys? It's unique. Right. It's something that they're going to be able to tell their kids and grandkids down the road that they were part of, you know, hopefully a once in a lifetime type situation with the NCAA tournament. But this is not as enjoyable for those guys. And, and, you know, we, they, they gave us the ability. If you think back, Nick, we started practice in mid September where they gave us eight hours a week to practice. So these guys have been going at it forever. And we didn't bring the guys back in June and July, like 80% of the other programs across the country. Some of these guys have been going at it since June with really no joy, uh, in it for them. And, and, you know, no interaction, very limited interaction with family and friends. So, um, I, I, I've been really careful in, in understanding the sacrifices that these guys are making, uh, so that we can do what we do. Having said all that, Nick, you could ask every player, like, do you want to play or do you want to shut this down and go home? Like we did last March. And they're all going to say, coach, we want, we want to play. We right. want to do this. So, um, I think they're enjoying the fact that they have an opportunity to play the game they love, but it's, it's certainly under, very different circumstances for them. You know, I'm sure you don't get caught up in this. Do, do you think, considering what you just said, do you think maybe you guys have been a little unfairly judged or criticized this year? And hell, maybe even I'm guilty of it at times where you have all the stuff that you're going through and then you guys are so good offensively that you've created this standard of like, it's not just win the game, you got to score 88 points and have, you know, three lob dunks to Christian and make 17 threes. If you win 61 to 58, it's like, well, what's wrong with Creighton? Why didn't they do this or that? Do you have you have you gotten a, a little bit of a sense of that? Well, I think everybody's life is different, Nick. Yeah. So you have more time on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think what the pandemic has done is you're so fed up with not being able to to do the things in life that you were accustomed to doing that there's just kind of a negative narrative behind it. So, and, you know, people are fed up with being in the house. Like the kids want to go back to school and, and uh, people are working from home and, and they're, they're not having that social interaction and talking about, you know, whatever with their, with their colleagues at work. So I, I just, I just think people in general, because of what has gone on in our country the last, year are a little bit more negative than probably ha they have been in the past. Now, having said all that, when you, when you have high expectations, you have a group of guys back, there, there's going to be expectations. And, and frankly, we want to be a program that has expectations. That usually means you have good players. Right. So, but college basketball is more imperfect this year 
than it's ever been. Like you, you, there are more games that you turn on and I'm going like, what that just happened. Like <laughs> right, how, right. how does that be that team at their place in the manner with which they did or what? And, and I think it's, I just, I just think it's the, the situation that these guys are in. It's, it's right. very, very difficult. And I, I think I said it in the post game, like this year, like you really lack as a coaching staff coming up with ways to motivate your guys to be ready to play every single game uh, because, you know, okay, we're going to go and we're going to play at Providence, but there's going to be nobody in the building, you know, or, or we're playing Marquette in the opener and big East opener. Let's get fired up. But it's going to be for one of the first times in in league play, like it's going to feel like a cave in there mm-hmm. where we're used to 18,000 people. So uh, we had a little motivation playing Villanova because they're ranked fifth in the country. And, and, but I just think there's, I, I think people are a little bit negative this year and, and that's okay. I hope that we bring him some joy. I mean, the end of the day we're I'm trying to win the game and sometimes it's a lead offense that wins that game for you because maybe you're half a step, half a step slow defensively. And sometimes like our game at Georgetown, like we, we didn't shoot it. Well, we were six at 25 or 26 from the three point line. We had good shots. We missed them, but our defense really rose to the occasion and so at the end of the day it's a w or an l and uh, we're trying to get as many w's as we can and and you know how we do it on that particular night uh, a lot of it has to do with our opponent too you know they they watch a lot of film and they scout us pretty well uh, and try to take away some of our strengths just like we try to take away their strengths and sometimes they're effective at it you have to find different ways to win that's a perfect answer you're so right because it's you know the way UConn and Providence are built. They they want to they want a game in the fifties and low sixties. You know, I mean, it's and the reality is it's easier to slow a game down than it is to speed it up, especially when teams know you so well. So there's 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 kind of that backdrop to it as well. Two more things, and we're out of here, Mac. Uh, there was the top sixteen seed reveal over the weekend, and man, I, the NCAA tournament selection committee's got a tough job. I mean, you're you know you're dealing with. You know, I think like for instance, like Xavier, I think has played seven conference games. You guys have played sixteen. You know, like so you're dealing with teams that have played different amounts of games. Teams going on pauses for three weeks or a month. Winning on the road isn't quite as the same. There's no real home court advantage. How? How? I know you probably can't get caught up in that, but how would you like to see some of that stuff kind of sorted out in its importance? Well, first of all, you know, I think while the the bracket review, I think it's great for fans. Uh, I, I think us as coaches realize it means nothing. Right. Uh, you know, it, it maybe means it could, it could mean a little bit more to us simply because of the way our schedule is played out. You know, we only have four games left. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're getting to the end where there's teams that have eight or nine games left and so much can happen in that eight or nine games uh, that things can change. So, you know, you want to be in the conversation and we're in the conversation of being close to one of those top 16 seeds. Um, so you've done what you're supposed to do. You put yourself in a position where you're getting into late February and the games are really, really meaningful both on the national stage from an NCAA tournament standpoint, but also still fight for a conference championship and, as far as the conference title, and I've said this before, like, you know, I'd, I'd love for our guys to win it and and win it outright. Um, but, it, you know, if, if Villanova is only able to play 13 games and we end up playing 20 games and they beat us by a few percentage points, you know, so be it. I, I don't think this is a year to complain about that. Um, you know, I, I would... 
I would rather be the team that got to play 20 games and, and had the joy of, of, of allowing the guys to play as many games as they could in a difficult year. And, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're close second, then, then so be it. But, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a unique year in that way. And I think you just gotta, I think you just gotta roll with the punches. Last thing. I mean, conference tournament, do you, you like the idea of it? I mean, there's a lot of different ways to view it. What do you, what do you think of uh, the topic of playing in the conference tournament? Well, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I'm on the fence a yeah, little. I mean, me too. I, I see there's certainly value in it. Um, and I think there's financial value to our league. And then when it's to our league, it's actually to us and the rest of the member schools because it's, it's great inventory for our television partners. It's some of the best inventory we have and most valuable inventory we have. So I understand that we need to play it. And, you know, is going to New York and playing a team any different than going to, uh, to Providence to play Providence. I mean, you're playing the same team. You're, you don't really have any, any contact with any other team at that point. Uh, I trust in what the big East is doing with our hotels or it's really going to be a lockdown situation on a, on a floor where we're by ourselves and the meals are all coming from the outside. Um, but you know, at the same time, you want to, you want to figure out a way to best protect the teams that you feel like are already in the tournament because you'd, you'd hate to have, you know, a positive case, take that away from, you know, some, something that's guys have worked really hard for all season. So I I get both sides of it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, we're going to forge ahead with it in the, in the big East. And, you know, if they're telling us that's what we need to do, then we're going to prepare the best we can. And, and we'll, we'll, Besides what the Big East is going to do from a safety protocol standpoint, we'll we'll make sure we're doing what we have to do to be safe as well. Greg McDermott, Creighton uh, Blue Jays head coach, Mac. Enjoy this little uh, this little time off uh, until you guys uh, get back on the court on uh, February twenty fourth against DePaul, and uh, finish strong, my man. We'll we'll catch up soon. I appreciate you, Nick. Take care, man. You got it. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.